0: Hello and welcome to Grand Canyon Echoes, the voice of District 3 Toastmasters. Hello, everyone. This is Don Griffith. I'm your podcast host. I have with me today the District Trio, as they're referred to. We have the newest member of the trio, DJ Reed, our Club Growth Director. We have our program quality director, Karen Hewitt, and our district director, David Hopper. Welcome, everyone. We're going to talk to you today with the trio and let you know a little bit about them, their background in Toastmasters, the things that are going on, and maybe get a little glimpse of some of the things coming for District 3. So, DJ, you're the new kid on the block. You're the most recent addition to the trio as club growth director, but I want to go back. I'd like to take you all back to that very first Toastmaster meeting. DJ, when when did you first encounter Toastmasters and what brought you there?
1: I was a bookkeeper for a nonprofit organization. And I happened to be working on Wednesday nights, which is when a club was forming in the organization. Actually, it was a community. It was uh, One Voice Community Center. And I decided, or I should say, someone in the group decided that I was going to be a member because I passed their door about the same time they were getting ready to start every Wednesday night. And I fought him and fought him about it. Finally, sometime in August, September, I said, "Okay, I'll go. I'll go. Just don't ever ask me again. I walked in 10 minutes late for the meeting so I wouldn't have to introduce myself at the beginning, and I walked out when they asked me. And as I walked out, I said the meeting was fine and the door slammed on the fine. That was my first encounter with those masters.
0: And what it sounds like is you were that was your first and last encounter, but something must have happened. What brought you back?
1: I knew that if I was ever going to grow and get to where I could talk to people and get to a point that I could interact with people. I was a loner and I didn't want to be around people and I knew that if I didn't at some point in time, get past that, I was never going to get anywhere. And after a few weeks, a couple months maybe even, I finally went back and they needed one more member to start the club. And my friend said, it's gotta be you DJ, you need this. And so I did table topics And I walked away and I sat in the back, same place I was the first time and said, okay, I'll do it. I signed on the dotted line and this is where I'm at now.
0: (laughs) And when was that DJ? How long ago did you make that decision?
1: That was in December. It was actually the very end of November, first part of December of 2009. The club was chartered in December of 2009.
0: Well, we'll come back to you, DJ, because I have more questions for you and, frankly, everyone else. Karen, tell us about your first Toastmaster meeting.
2: My first Toastmasters meeting, I was late, just like DJ, but it was because I went to the wrong location first because it was supposed to be Denny's and the crossroads I got was I-17 and something. So I went to the first I-17 Denny's I could find and they did not have a Toastmasters. And uh, Then I was like, OK, I think I need to go a bit further than And I found it, walked in, I smiled, nodded, grunted. I think I may have said yes, I may have said no. And I left as quickly as possible. And when I was asked if I had a few words for the club, I went, no. That was all I said was no.
0: And And did no become yes? What happened to make a yes?
2: I knew I had to do it. I went to that meeting with the intention of joining. I had actually emailed over 12 clubs in the previous two weeks. And this was the only club that responded to me. Wow. And I already knew I was going to join Toastmasters. I had gone through an ordeal and my mother had told me I went through it because I could survive it and maybe somebody else couldn't. And I should learn how to tell my story. So I went and Googled how to learn to tell your story. <laughs> and guess what came up? Toastmasters. <laughs> I phobic so I knew I had to join a club that forced me to leave my house and I kept going and going and probably within three or four weeks the club was so supportive I was able to give birth. they immediately got me a mentor who was very kind and soft-spoken with me and it continued on from there
0: what was that club that the one of 12 that actually invited you to come walkie talkies all right walkie talkies good job (laughs) dj i forget forgot to ask what was the name of your first club
1: it started out as one voice it's now melrose
0: oh okay melrose i hear about them all the time it's a
1: great it's a great club
0: david Tell
3: us about that first meeting. Oh, so to tell you about the first meeting, I actually have to take you back to a meeting. And at my work, they had an all-hands meeting. They said, anybody who is interested in leadership, ever interested in leadership, is wants to be a leader in our organization, and I work for the U of A, wants to be a leader in our organization, we're starting a Toastmasters club, and we need you to be a member of the Toastmasters club. And throughout the meeting, I sit there and I go, I don't really want to do this. I don't really want to be a public speaker. But I made my mind up quickly that I had, to, I had to do this. So I went over to the sign-up sheet, and I was like the second person to sign up on the sign-up sheet. And then they sent out an email to everybody on the sign-up sheet going, okay, we're going to have our first meeting. I was one of the first to respond. So, of course, I got back, hey, can you be an icebreaker at our very first meeting? Never attended a Toastmasters meeting in my life. Didn't know what to expect at all from a Toastmasters meeting. But here I was. I was the first speaker at the first meeting of the UAF and Toastmasters club. And I was nervous. But I had a great mentor and I had a great evaluator who sat there and said, don't worry about being nervous. Just get up and give your speech. And we do ground-robin evaluations. so Everybody writes on a sheet of paper. And the head of HR even wrote on the sheet of paper, I didn't know you were funny. So <laughs> I really enjoyed my first meeting. And of course, I came back for more. And then they eventually talked me into about a month later being the BPE. And it wasn't very long before I started to rise up the ranks in postmasters.
0: Yeah. So when was that, David? That was in 2014. Karen, when did you join? What year was that?
2: I went to my first meeting the first week of March, joined on the second week of March in 2017.
0: Okay. All right. DJ, we talked about your first experience. Tell us about that point in your Toastmaster life when leadership started to be the thing you were seeking or the thing that you tried. What was that first leadership breakouts point for you?
1: I actually didn't really think about being a leader. It just kind of happened. I was put in position of being Sergeant-at-Arms at at my first club when we chartered. I was listed as Sergeant-at-Arms because I worked for the organization that they were meeting at. And I was the one that was there to put everything together. So I got got the Sergeant-at-Arms position right away. And from there, I just moved up in the ranks of that club and then when I changed, ended up changing clubs, it was like I was just automatically put into officer positions. And the more officer positions I put was put into, the more I realized that I enjoyed being in those officer positions and helping others with their leadership and, and mentoring skills. And I think that it just eventually turned out that the more I thought about it, the more I realized that that was the path I needed to take. And when Pathways came out, I really finalized in my mind that that's where I wanted to go. Uh, I tried speech contests a couple times and realized that that was just not who I was. I like putting them together. I like being chief judge or a judge and doing all the back stuff, but being on the stage for a contest eh, really wasn't what I was into. So I moved forward.
0: And when did that leadership progression become a district function? What was that like to become the first district leader?
2: I think it was the
1: second year I was in Toastmasters, I was an area governor. And I think that that's when I decided that eventually I was going to move up. I didn't expect to do it until I actually retired, but because of COVID and because of the way my job is now, I can move in now. I can move up into it now.
0: Great. Karen, I remember the first time I talked to you, it was a phone call. And I don't remember the topic, you might, but I don't remember the topic, but I remember you were from walkie-talkies and you invited me to your meeting, good for you, a little far from the house. So I have not been back, although I have visited walkie-talkies many years ago when I was a district governor. What was your first point where you saw the opportunity to be a district leader? It's
2: actually our immediate past district director's fault. It's Peter Salazar's fault. And I tell him every time it is his fault. So I joined in March and I became an officer and I did the first round of contests, which I did very well at. I didn't expect to, but it was kind of a shocker. And I was told, you know, you like having, you should go for your DTM. I was like, okay, I can do that. And I went to a TLI and Peter was presenting the roadmap to DTM. And he was presenting it for both legacy and pathways because we were at that transition point. And I realized Hang on, I have got a lot of my speeches done already for Legacy because I wasn't even introduced to Pathways in the beginning. It was here's the manuals because TI sent me manuals. It was never Pathways, it was just here's the manuals. And Peter said that he didn't know that it worked to the year after if we would get credit for our Legacy DTM because of the cutoff. He's like, well, when it ends on 6.30 and your term ends on 6.30, that just might not happen. So I went and found Michael Holian. I was told he was the district director. And I'm like, okay. apparently I need to be an area director. What do I need to do? And he says, I have one area available, but you may want to consider where it's at. And I said, don't care, I'll take it. Because I got told I needed to get my DTM, so I was like, okay, i got to do what it was. And it was Lake Havasu in Kingsman, which was a four-and-a-half-hour drive from where I lived. <laughs> so I dove in, and it was literally a check mark to get a DTM. I didn't think I'd ever do anything past that. I was just terrified of losing all my hard work. As I started to really dig into the different areas, a couple of months later, I volunteered to be the social media chair. I started helping on PRM. I started helping on the conference. And I just got involved in so many committees and it was fun. Okay. It was leadership, but it was fun. It was enjoyable. And I was meeting all these amazing people and I was having a blast. And I was like, hmm, I think I should go for the next level this is fun. I'm enjoying it. It's okay. It is really good. And that's why I decided to go for division director. And I probably spoke to David like two weeks after the election for division director and told him, because he just got elected as pub girl. I want to do that. I want to be in the trio. And David supported me from day one. Maybe he's an assistant club growth director and started teaching
0: me. You're an example of someone who did one of the goals to, as you say, check a box, but to meet a specific objective without realizing the power of the process itself. And now, now look at you. You are the program quality director for District 3. Excellent. I
2: was going to say, yeah, it'll help. they opened up a whole new world and I am so glad that Peter arrived me that day.
0: David, was it different for you? How did you get into district leadership and what's, what's motivating you to do that?
3: Well, Don, I am a competitive person and I am also a, very much a, about achievement. So when it came to my first DTM, I had a member of my club that told me they are going to get their DTM before I did. And we were just racing to see who got the DTM first. So when the first area director position came up, I'm like, no, I got to do that. Came an area director. And really, it was all about the achievements I could get. And then about the time I got my first DTM, everything really switched for me. And it started to become more about service. And I, I wanted to go back and I wanted to serve Coastmasters and help people get the achievement that I had achieved because I had seen that it did so much for me. Uh, it actually got me a raise, got me a promotion at work. It made me more confident in meetings. I used to sit in the back of the room of meetings and hope I didn't get called on, and that uh, that didn't happen anymore after Toastmasters. So after getting my first DTM, I really switched and wanted to help people achieve their DTM's, and that's when I signed up to be a division director and decided to keep moving up into the tree. It
0: is about the service. That's why the three of you are still progressing forward in your leadership it's you realize this is a great organization and it needs dedicated people to keep it moving and keep it going and keep it growing now i want to transition into what's going on now dj when the when the pandemic hit how did your club and members react what did you do My
1: home club, Gilbert Toastmasters, uh, actually went right online. They didn't know what they were doing, but they went straight to online and started having meetings. And we worked through all of the glitches that we had the first few meetings. We had a lot of members that couldn't be part of it. We had a lot of senior members that were in uh, positions where the only place they had a computer was in a group setting and they couldn't get to them anymore because those settings were closed to everybody. And they just didn't have access, so they couldn't continue to come. But those that did continue to come, continued to work on how do we get evaluations? How do we get things done? And they just proceeded to figure out a way to do those things. The only thing they never figured out was how to do the awe counter and get something done with that that was effective. Uh, I tried doing the backgrounds that I got from David and a lot of them liked that, but they just didn't, they weren't paying enough attention to the screen of the awe counter to really catch. So I don't know that it really affected them a lot, but they moved on. And right now they've gone back to in-person meetings. So I think I think they've made the full circle.
0: Karen? How did uh, your clubs handle COVID?
2: Well, at first, because we were all told it was just going to be for two weeks. Famous two weeks, right? They decided, let's just take a mini break. Let's just have two weeks off and come back in person. It'll all be over. But it quickly evolved into a lot longer than two weeks. And we had a member throw up a Zoom link. It was rather rough we had quite a few challenges and hiccups because there was we had a fair amount of members that did not want to be online. They wanted to be in person. They didn't see the benefit of Toastmasters online because they're like, how can I present to a room of people when I'm looking at a screen? It doesn't work. However, fast forward to today, and now we're looking at what's available to us. The number one consideration by all the members in the club is we really should do a hybrid because this online is, is kind of nice we like not have because we're a breakfast club they're like we like being able to get out of bed and get on the meeting within like 10 minutes instead of getting up and driving and everything like that so it went from a no we don't want to do this to can we stay hybrid i think hybrid would be fun And then my other club is a leadership club, and we quickly adapted to online and went straight into the Zoom meetings and started to go forward with that. Luckily, we had a lot of dual members that were experiencing the hiccups in their home clubs, so we were able to address them before we experienced
0: them. My home club, we skipped one week. We missed one week after the shutdown and then we went to Webex and never looked back. We've been we were on Webex until about 3 weeks ago and finally things opened up. We're back at Denny's meeting in person. We are attempting a hybrid. The technical aspects of it are challenging, especially at a place like Denny's which has limited Wi-Fi and the amount of technical things we have to do, but we're giving it a shot. David, you probably are surrounded by a bunch of tech folks down there in your work environment. How did you guys handle the COVID?
3: So that's actually interesting you say that, because like Karen, I was in two clubs, but there was two completely different approaches. My work club, UAFM, completely shut down. We were all maintenance people, and we couldn't have somebody really going back to their shop and the plumbing shop were... They've got people working on benches and stuff behind them and getting on Zoom because we meet during the day. Or, you know, could you, could you imagine sheet metal? They're cutting <laughs> metal in the background, sparks going all over the Zoom meeting. It might be a really interesting Zoom meeting. So we shut down for about eight months before we started back up. And then we only had five or six people uh, who were attending the meetings on Zoom. And then uh, just recently, we've gone back to fully in person for that club. My other club from Pin the Podium Postmasters. We jumped right into Zoom meetings. We have a couple really great tech people in those those meetings. And we really did even our first couple meetings without really a hitch. And we've just kind of improved it every single meeting since. And we are also talking about doing hybrid going forward to keep some of our members who really don't want to come in person. They they really like being online. So it's just a matter of our location hasn't opened yet it's a matter of our location and if we can support that when location open
0: we've talked about the hybrid meetings and some clubs are doing hybrid others are going back to in person what is going to be a district level response to that question people call you and say how do we do hybrid what kind of plans do you have in place to help our clubs be successful in that?
2: One of the things that we have done this year is we've actually established a new chair and committee that is under the program quality. And that chair is being ran by Peter Salazar. And that is our hybrid club chair. And they're going to be coming up with resources and trainings to help our clubs navigate that particular roadmap including at the TLIs we already have a hybrid elective for our members to attend because we just know this is important right now we need to help our members have as much information so they can make the right decisions for their clubs now every club's going to have the same decision and that's okay but we want to make sure that that information's there
0: so you're supporting the clubs that are either interested in finding out about it or have made that decision and just need assistance the process of doing hybrid is something new for a lot of folks that's not new for toastmasters is it the idea of trying something new every time we step into an officer position every time we have something happen maybe there's a, a change from world headquarters about Something like pathways. What other kind of challenges do you think we might face, David, as the year goes on?
3: Well, Don, I think the biggest challenge going forward is actually going to be coming back to in person or hybrid meetings. You know, we've gone through a massive change in our district, we've lost a lot of members, we've lost a lot of clubs. And there's a lot of clubs out there that only have five or six members and they are getting tired. And unfortunately, we're going to ask those same members to put in a little bit more work because as they go back to being in person or they choose to go hybrid, they're, they're going to have to do more work to start promoting their club. But I can see that this year we're primed to grow like no other year that we've seen in the past probably a couple decades. We are primed to grow as a district. And although I know that we'll face challenges this year, I think that at the end of the year, we're going to be standing stronger and taller than we we started the year at. And I was a Boy Scout, so I can tell you by the Boy Scout motto, uh, one of the things that they were just drilled into me in Boy Scouts is leave it better than you found it. And that is my goal for the year, that I leave this district better than I found it, so that when Karen and DJ continue on, that they can build on what we've done this year.
0: DJ, you are in a position on the trio where your concentration is new clubs and new members. What are some of the ideas that you and your team have come up with so far? I realize the year is very new and you're just getting used to it and probably are feeling a little overwhelmed. But I bet you there's some ideas that have come up already. Could you share some of those with us?
1: I think the one that I want to share the most is the Club Eagles that we've had around for a few years in this district. And what they've done in the past is they've worked with clubs from 12 to 15 members to get them distinguished. And it gets harder and harder to find Toastmasters, distinguished Toastmasters that are in a position that they really, truly can have the time to commit to a club for as long as it takes to get them to that 15, 16 person mark. And some clubs, it's almost impossible. So I've decided that instead of using Eagles that way, I'm going to call it Eagles Plus. And it's going to be the, the distinguished Toastmasters and anyone that They want to recruit going into a club that's having an event. Okay, I've scheduled an event on Toastmasters D3 website. I'm advertising it on the Facebook page. I'm doing all the stuff to get guests to come. I'm asking for five eagles to come those five eagles will come and fill the functionary roles for that meeting. And in the process of doing that, it's twofold for the club. One, it gives the members a break, which they get very little of when they're a small club. And two, it gives them a chance to interact more with the guests. Because they're not worrying about the functionary roles, because they've got somebody there, and if the distinguished toastmaster brings a couple of members from one of their clubs, it makes the club bigger for that event, and maybe the person that they they bring would be interested in joining a second club because they want more speaking ability, more speaking time, or something, or want their DTM. So it's kind of a a situation where I think it will help everybody involved. And I'm hoping that I can get a lot of DTMs that are willing to make that commitment for one meeting in order to facilitate helping these clubs grow their membership through this process.
0: If somebody is watching this and is interested in being one of your Eagles, how do they how do they reach out? Is there a special email address or something on the website where they can sign up?
1: There will be eventually. Until then, just send it to CGD at aztoastmasters.org and I will get it to the right person and we'll get you signed up.
0: All right, out there, everybody. That was CGD, which stands for Club Growth Director at aztoastmasters.org. Karen, you are the program quality director. Now, for someone who has maybe heard that term but doesn't know what it means, what is the the emphasis for you this year?
2: To bundle it into a quick nutshell, program quality is about training. It's making sure our clubs and members have the tools to be successful, how to get their pathways, how to go to the next level. And when we were discussing the theme for this year, I, we came up on the Rise Up theme, and I shared one of my thoughts, and this is where I'm basing everything we're doing as program quality, and that is about Mount Everest. If you think about Mount Everest, if someone says they're going to climb it, what do you do? You celebrate them. If they make it to a base camp, what do you do? You celebrate them. If you make it to the summit, you celebrate them. The common goal is we celebrate people where they're at. Not everyone is here to get a DTM. Maybe they're here for leadership. Maybe they're here to be able to give a better presentation at work. Maybe they're here because like me, they didn't want to go into a room as strangers and say hi. They just needed that confidence to be able to do more than a grunt or a head nod or attempt for the wall to swallow them whole. We need to start looking at what our members need and giving it to them, helping them see that they have opportunities to learn and grow within the district and meeting them where they're at. So we're doing that with the introduction of a leadership chair, a mentorship chair, it's called the Tom Taboni. To help people really step into leadership Outside their clubs Making the information available Often and early We're having lunch and learns Where we'll focus on communication and leadership Our speakers bureau Is exploding their program To really bring people Who want to learn how to be professional speakers Under their wings As well as people who are already there Again Let's meet people where they're at Let's celebrate them, discover their goals, and help them achieve it. Toastmasters is customizable, especially with Pathways. We should be,
0: too. Well, you made a really excellent point. Not everybody wants to do the same thing in Toastmasters. It's not a monolithic membership. Some of us who are, all of us here, we're in leadership in various stages and various experiences, but not every member wants to be the district leader, not every member wants to get a DTM. DJ said not everybody member wants to be a contest speaker. That's okay. Everybody has a goal when they join Toastmasters. Sometimes that goal was given to them by their boss, right, David? (laughs) And and that that worked out for David. For others, it's a different motivation. So I really appreciate that perspective of meeting people where they're at. David, I think we'll wrap up with final words from you on your view of District 3 in 2021, 2022. What do you see as the big picture for us?
3: So Don, I want to start by answering that with a couple of ways. I mean, Karen mentioned her theme is Rise Up. That comes from the core values of Postmasters integrity respect service and excellence and i think if we focus on those core values that we can rise up this year as a district we can rise up to our membership goals we can rise up to our club goals and we can be successful as a district but i also see that we will have to support our members in new ways and we will have to be creative in the ways that we support our members this year because We're going into another unprecedented time. We've been in an unprecedented time for a year and a half now, and now we're going to go back to a brand new time. For the first time ever, we can have virtual clubs in our district. Before they were our district We can have hybrid clubs in our district. So we are going to be supporting clubs in different ways that we've never supported them before. We are going to come up with challenges that we've never had in our district before. But I think that, like I said before, in the end of the year, we're going to be stronger. If you see my background here, I want to mention everybody on my background. This is the the DEC, the DEC, the District Executive Committee. These are all the area and division directors, as well as the top seven officers in the district. And I have it as my background because even though I may be district director, they are behind me, supporting me the entire year. They will be what makes us successful this year. We can't do this alone, and they are the ones that will be helping us complete this year and doing a great job.
0: Thank you, David. Thank you for reminding us that we aren't in this alone. None of us are. Even if you're just a regular plain old Toastmaster, as we used to call it, even if you're just a plain old Toastmaster, you're not in this alone. You may not have the same goals as I, you may not have the same goals as DJ, Karen, and David, but we are a team and together we can do some amazing things. We're part of a large organization that's dealing with all of the same issue. And I'm looking forward to the day in just a few more years when we celebrate 100 years of Toastmasters. That'll be a pretty amazing year. Well, thank you all for being part of this little recording. I'm sure that everybody out there will enjoy hearing your early experiences, hear something about the plans and the goals for the district and your perspectives. Thank you all very much. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Grand Canyon Echoes, the voice of District 3 Toastmasters. To volunteer to be featured on the podcast or to suggest future topics, write podcast at aztoastmasters.org. That email again is podcast at aztoastmasters.org. Toastmasters International and all other Toastmasters International trademarks and copyrights are the sole property of Toastmasters International. This podcast is independent of Toastmasters International. It is not endorsed by, sponsored by, affiliated with, or otherwise connected with Toastmasters International other than for the use of the name Toastmasters International.